I'm Alex Milleris. And I'm Tai Seifu. And this is our first episode of 2021. Yay! And we're, so we're right in the thick of the World Juniors, which uh, we, we couldn't actually do last year. We took a, a week off around this time because we were on a trip when we could take trips and stuff. So now we are in the middle of the end of the tournament, of the playoff round. So we have the, the semifinals coming up tomorrow. Canada's in. They're playing Russia. And Finland is playing the USA. And Canada, to this point of the tournament, is now the only team that's still undefeated. They went through the round robin 4-0. The only game where I, that I was like a little bit of a scare, I thought, was against Slovakia, where they won 3-1. to They were very dominant against Switzerland and Finland. A little less impressive yesterday against the Czechs, but they got the win anyway. Yeah. They, honestly, they look like the best team out there. And, you know, the one guy I would shout out right off the bat is a native Montrealer, native West Islander, Devin Levi, who uh, has looked pretty sharp, looked very sharp throughout the tournament so far. Obviously, with the team in front of him, you know, the the workload may not be as heavy as if, I don't know, you're playing for Team Germany. But he's done his part. I think he's given up, like, what, two goals since the beginning of the tournament now at this point. Uh, There's a couple of, you know, freebie games. But still, he's doing his job. And, uh, you know, and, and aside from that, like, look, it's just, it really looks apparent that this team is a bunch of first-round picks. And it sure looks like it. And even when they look, you know, kind of sloppy, uh, which I felt they kind of did against the Czechs uh, in the quarterfinal and maybe, you know, yeah, in that tighter-than-you'd-like game against Slovakia, uh, you know, they just, even on their bad days, uh, they seem to, get, they, they, do, they do get it done. Obviously, when you're facing, you're off in the semifinals, you're facing against, you know, the better teams in the tournament, like Russia and potentially the U.S. in the final. Uh, you're going to have to be on your A game. But so far, they've, uh, they've done the job. And they really do look like the best team in the tournament at this point. Yeah, I feel like those weaker Canada games we're talking about, like Slovakia and yesterday against the Czechs, it isn't even necessarily that they're playing sloppy, like their turnovers and giving up great A chances left and right, I find it just it gets a little more boring and it's more low event. And if you're Canada, you want to play super high event because you, you're totally willing to trade scoring chances with any team in this tournament. And as soon as that stops happening, you know, that kind of that could potentially open a crack for a team like the Czech Republic to slip through. But they didn't. Um, do you want to talk about the other quarterfinal games first or do you want to dive a little more into Team Canada? Sure, we can we can take a look around. Uh, you know, you want you want to start with the most exciting uh, of the of the four of the three other games. Uh, sure. I think you're talking about Sweden Finland because that was quite yeah. the game. The ending, especially, uh, it was a two nothing lead for Sweden early on. Uh, I thought after Sweden, by the way, lost that that round robin win streak at 54 games. It finally came to an end against Russia in overtime with five seconds left. Sweden tied the game with a minute left. I was like, oh, yep, the magic is still alive. They're going to win. But they didn't. They didn't. I was wrong. The streak is over. And they played the very next night against the U.S. And I was, I would have been pretty surprised if Sweden bounced back that fast because it's pretty obvious that streak meant something, meant a lot to them. But I thought when the um, when the medal round came around, they were going to like find a new gear because all right, like we're moving on. It's like a new season now, kind of, even though it's only like two days later or whatever. Uh, and it looked like it at the beginning. Then they didn't. I actually, I, I said to you after Sweden lost to Russia in the round robin, I said, all right, I think Sweden's going to win gold this year. I think I've, I've thought for a while now that whatever year they lose the streak, they're going to win gold. 
Uh, I was very wrong about that, as we already know. But I think maybe next year, I think maybe next year, when like the burden of the streak is totally gone and they don't even and they like totally start fresh, I think Sweden's gonna I think they they could win gold. Anyway, anyway, let's talk about this year's game. Let's talk about this year's game. Uh because I love this kind of thing. Finland has they did this a couple years ago also and Capocacco scored the winning goal in the gold medal game with under a minute left. I feel like we see it quite often at the World Juniors. Oh no what it wasn't under a minute. It was under two minutes. Anyway uh, of these late goals in regulation that break ties, which we really don't see much of in the NHL because everyone's playing for the loser point. This is, by the way, one big reason to get rid of the loser point is we get these amazing moments like we saw yesterday. Finland, Sweden, Ronnie Hirvinen, who we profiled here on this on this podcast going into, uh, leading into the draft. Wraparound goal, Hugo Allenfeldt's skate was, was way out off the post. And Finland, it was the comeback, like a third period comeback. They were down 2-1 to one in the third period. Lundell tied it with about eight minutes to go, and then Finland finished the comeback with, I think, 25 seconds left. Yeah, man. Like, Finland, I wouldn't even say it's a third-period comeback. I'd say, I'd say I think they were just the better team flat out in the last two periods. I thought Sweden came out. They dominated, right? They took that 2 nothing lead. And then after that, really, you know, I thought Finland was the better team outright. I don't think it was particularly close, right? That second and third period, uh, it just looked like they were dominating play in the offensive zone, and you know, and they had that goal that was disallowed on the offside, right? Uh, that 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 would have tied it up, but it just it kind of felt inevitable, honestly, that that they would tie it, and then they did so like midway through the third, and then it just you know I felt if Sweden was gonna win, they were gonna get a nice bounce, uh, but I just I don't know, I, maybe they shut it down after that first period because you know Sweden really dominated that time, but uh, man, Finland really came out flying to end the game, and for Sweden, you know. Maybe maybe that's the thing. They ended their win streak, 54 games. Maybe they're starting a 54-game losing streak. Uh, maybe that's a bit of an exaggeration. Unlikely. But uh, th- three in a row so far. Not the way they wanted to end the tournament, I'm guessing. Uh, or I'm sure of it. And uh, yeah, another disappointing year. It's been a while, right? When was the last time Sweden won the gold? It's been a hot minute. Uh, yeah, they said something. There was a crazy stat. They've only won gold once in the past uh, like 40 years or something. They won in 2012 because that was the big thing with the streak was that they only won gold once throughout it in 2012 and not before that or after. Their only gold before that was 1981, looking at it right now. So they only have like two golds in the tournament history, which is ridiculous for how often they win and how good they are. And I'm trying to find also when the last time was they didn't even make the semifinals because throughout the streak, you're always getting pretty easy quarterfinal matchups, and I don't remember Sweden getting upset by Switzerland. Oh, maybe, oh, they did get upset by Switzerland a couple of years ago, didn't they? Uh, I don't think it was that long ago either. 2019, it might have been. Um, that does sound, yeah, yeah. Sweden lost to Switzerland in the quarterfinals two years ago, so it really hasn't been that long for them. But another disappointing tournament for Team Sweden. Obviously, the fact that they were without Carl Henriksen. William Wallander, Alvin Gruva because of COVID, and many coaches certainly didn't help. Uh, the other quarterfinal game that came before that one was Russia-Germany. And this was, I think, besides Canada, of course, I love watching Canada. From the rest of them, this was my favorite of the day because this was also the one where I, I had the most vested rooting interest because obviously, you know, everyone's always pulling for the underdog unless you're cheering for Team Canada like I am. Um but, you know, Team Germany, it was 2-1 to one was the final score, you'll probably remember. And Florian Eliash hit a crossbar late in the game. It wasn't like um, 
it wasn't like Russia was dominating and Germany just happened to, you know, you know, have their, their goalie make a bunch of ridiculous saves. Like you would think of like, like Russia, Denmark in the quarterfinal we saw a couple years ago where Russia dominated for the whole game and Denmark was very opportunistic and they forced overtime three, three, but then Russia won there. But I, there was very similar vibe vibes to this Russia, Germany game. Except for the fact that Germany actually did have a lot of sustained pressure, or maybe not sustained pressure, but a lot of scoring chances at least in the third period and chances to tie. And I really thought they were actually going to to get it done and tie the game either by Stutzel, Paterka. One of them was going to have some sort of you know great display of offense as they've been having so often in this tournament. But it wasn't so for Germany. But they do have their highest finish in their in the history of this tournament for them, seventh place now. And another uh, fun fact is that now that we already know uh, how the bottom six teams in this tournament are ranked, we already know that how we can kind of see the groups shaping up for next year. And Austria, who finished 10th, is going to be in the same group as Germany, who finished 7th, as well as the Czech Republic, I believe, who finished 6th. Whereas, you know, Sweden, Slovakia, Switzerland will all be together. But the reason I point that out is specifically Germany and Austria, traditionally outside like the, the staple eight, of this tournament, as I don't know, I guess we could call them. Uh, now Germany and Austria will be in the same group, so at least one of them, probably only one of them, will make the quarterfinals again next year. Yeah, well, that's it's uh, you know the Germans they put up a good fight. Like there were you know like the LES in particular, that wasn't just a crossbar chance that he had. There were there were a couple chances at least uh, in the third period when they were only down by a goal. Or I thought you know maybe this is it, right? Because you know when when you're when there's a mismatch, mismatch like this, but it's tight. Oh, it takes one good bounce, right? And then I thought maybe, you know, Paterka had that semi-breakaway kind of thing going. I thought maybe, anyways. What I, what I mean to say here is that, yeah, I could absolutely have seen the Germans tying it and then getting a solid bounce in overtime because, absolutely, they had the pressure. It was not a completely lopsided affair. I thought Russia was the better team. But, you know, hockey is hockey. Sometimes the better team doesn't win just because there's a lot of luck involved. And, yeah, they put up a good fight. And for Germany, you know... Uh, really, Stutzel carried them. He was so good throughout the tournament, and like really, everybody was raving about him uh, on Twitter and everything. And uh, yeah, he really carried them into the because they finished third place in the group, right? That's a yeah, very, very, very nice finish there. And uh, yeah, it's pretty spicy. Germany, Austria in the same group. Uh, looking forward to it. It's uh, it's very cool. And uh, Stutz, yeah. Stutzel's not, he's not, he's not going to be there next year, right? And I don't think Paterka will either. But uh, uh, it's uh, well, nice I think I think there's the yeah. Stutzel will probably be in the NHL. I assume probably this year he'll be in the NHL. Uh, it doesn't even look like uh, I don't remember if it was Pierre Dorian or uh, DJ Smith. Is he still the coach in Ottawa? Anyway, someone said yeah, uh, he's gonna come to Ottawa. He, we're gonna start him on the wing. So it seems like he's already pretty much got a roster spot locked down with the Sens for this season. Uh, even though he is eligible to return to the tournament next year. Paterka is also, he is born on the exact same day as me. I think we pointed this out when we profiled him. Uh, so next year is his last year of eligibility. I don't think he Paterka will make the NHL within the next year or two. Probably he'll take longer than Stutzel. So I think he'll be back for Team Germany next year, unless, of course, you know, he's injured or anything like that. Uh, and, I mean, it's hard to say that he won't be the captain, considering looking at his performance this year. Uh, Lucas Reichel also. First rounder of Chicago, who who tested positive for COVID, so couldn't be on the team this year. He'll be eligible next year as well. So Germany isn't like this. 
wasn't a blip off year for them in terms of you know an outlier being great because they've getting getting st- getting steadily better and better as a hockey country for the past five ten years or so, and it doesn't look like they're slowing down. Yeah, love to see it. Love to see new countries, and as you said, there's that there's that uh, what is it core eight kind of hockey countries when it comes to the World Juniors, and uh, you know it's nice to see it shaking up a little bit. Got another country to the mix, and it's uh, yeah, it's very cool, very cool. So uh, moving on to that other game. Uh, that happened after the Canada game is USA versus Slovakia. USA took a 5-2. And, uh, you know, it got kind of close. At one point, I think it was 3-2 uh, for the States. But uh, they ended up taking it. And uh, Cole Caulfield had a couple nice chances. Yay. Uh, and he showed off that magnificent shot uh, with an absolute snipe. Uh, yeah, and he scored. On his birthday. He turned 20 yesterday. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Probably the oldest player in the tournament, unless there's a January first. I'm not aware of which there probably is. But there always there's always some player who turns twenty before the tournament's over, and everyone goes, "Oh, under 20, But whatever. Yeah, awesome to see Cole Caulfield score, even if it's for Team USA. Even if I was rooting for Slovakia, because if Slovakia won, now that they reseed for the semifinals, Canada would have played Slovakia in the semifinals instead of Russia. But uh, it wasn't so, and it wasn't such a surprise either. But when it did get tight late, three to two, because it was three nothing USA, and then Slovakia kind of, you know, climbed back a little bit, made it three two, got very exciting late. It was like almost midnight at that point, I think. Um, so yeah, but no surprises really yesterday. I mean, it's not that often you see a quarterfinal upset here. Usually, it's almost always for those five big hockey powerhouses that end up in the semifinals: Canada, U.S., Sweden, Russia, Finland. Uh, we saw the Switzerland in there a couple years ago. We saw the Czechs in there a couple years ago. But those are those instances are pretty rare, and this year is not an exception to the rule. We have Canada-Russia tomorrow at, I think, 5.30 Eastern. And then another late game, 9.30, is USA-Finland. So it's shaping up. We could potentially see a Canada-USA gold medal game. Always tends to be a classic, especially... Uh, now that there is no shootout in the gold medal game like there was about four years ago when that gold medal game went to a shootout, very sadly. Uh, so that would be super fun. But, you know, if Canada plays Finland, I wouldn't complain about that either. Uh, don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Yeah, it, looks like, it sounds like you're, uh, assuming a big, uh, you're assuming the win against Russia. Uh, and, no, no, uh, I use the word if. I use, I use qualifiers. Uh-huh, uh-huh. okay. Of All course right, I sure do. Much. Okay, so it sure sounds like you're counting the Russians of, out. You think I'm some sort of presuming Peter? Yeah, presuming Peter, a jinxing Jake, perhaps. Uh, and uh, we don't want to do that a on the hottie podcast. Harry. Excuse me, a hot take Harry, you mean? Or a hottie uh, Harry? No, I said hot, hot, H A U G H T Y hottie. Oh, okay, yes, yes. I see it. Okay. I, I thought you meant the other hottie. Uh, oh, no, no, no. Anyways, hot take Harry. Uh, Anyways, yeah, so uh, that'll be spicy. Yeah, we got it. We got a we got a bunch of heavyweights here in the semifinal, and yeah, you know I can't. What's the read on Russia? I you know I haven't I haven't gotten a totally great read on them so far in the tournament. It's just you know they've they've dominated some teams. They ended that streak against Sweden. Well, they ended they ended Sweden's streak, uh, and it was awfully tight against Germany. What are your thoughts heading into the semifinal matchup? It's always very hard to get a read on Russia, um, you know, because they do things like beat the U.S. and Team Sweden, and you go, they're great. And then they lose to the Czechs, and you go, wow, maybe they're not so great. Uh, but that loss to the Czechs was their only loss in this tournament. 
uh, obviously, what any of the five powerhouses that we're talking about, you can never really count them out of any game. Canada, of course, is the favorite, but you look at Russia's track record at this tournament. Uh, very oftentimes, they have some sort of shaky performance somewhere along the line, and you could even call the quarterfinal against Germany a shaky performance. Like a couple of years ago, when they almost lost to Denmark, we're thinking like, oh, they almost lost to Denmark. Wow, they can't contend for gold. And then they almost won gold because you look seven of the last nine, uh, no more than that. I think, wait, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Nine of the last ten years, they've won a medal at this tournament. Only one of them is a gold. They had because they had a long medal streak in there from 2011 to 2017. That broke in 2018. Uh, we've got four silvers. And one, two, three, four bronzes throughout that time. So they have a pretty good track record. They also have a new coach this year after having Valerie Bragan for, for a very long time. Um, so we were looking at Russia's roster before the tournament started and said, this looks like a strong Russian team compared even to other recent Russian teams that have won medals. Askarov hasn't necessarily been as lights out as we thought he would be. Um Someone pointed out Shahir Muhammadulin can't really pivot, which is concerning for a first-round pick. But anyway, um, that forward group, uh, they've been great. They've been great. Uh, Kuznodinov has been especially impressive. I know some people have been kind of complaining about Pod Colson and how he hasn't put up points. So it hasn't been, you know, green lights all across the board. But this team is still poised to, you know, have a breakout game from some of its its Maybe and they might be due for it, honestly, in the semifinals. So if 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 I made it sound like I was assuming a Canada victory, I would like to revoke that, please. Especially considering uh, Russia just lost to Canada last year in the gold medal game. I know everyone's like, oh, new year, new whatever, but I'm sure that definitely gives them some extra juice heading into the semifinals. So if I had to put odds on it, I I think Canada's still the favorite, and I'd give like a a, a 65% chance. Victory there. That's my astute mathematic probability decision. All right, I'd love to see your anal. I'd love to see your analytics model for that. But uh, okay, yeah. uh, seventy so minus five. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, so uh, yeah, now now to Team Canada. So, uh, I mean, where do we start? Uh, we do we shout out some people, uh, or do we dive into that check game? How do you want to? How do you want to approach this? Uh, where do we want to start with it? How about we first we can talk about Dylan Cousins and how great he is, and how he's probably going to make the Sabers a uh, very very soon. And I wasn't expecting to be him to be as good as he is because I remember when he was in his draft year, I thought maybe oh he was kind of you know rated a little too high when players with more offensive ceiling, we'll say such as Trevor Zegers, were rated a little lower and ended up being drafted lower. But uh, he's definitely proven me wrong. And which I'm sure he cares about deeply is proving me specifically wrong, uh, because you know we're, we're always kind of making fun a bit about these scouts or GMs, whatever, who overvalue like work ethic and heart and grit. But when you add it to the skill set that Dylan Cousins already has and the sense for the game that Dylan Cousins already has, then that's when it's like the icing on the cake, and you get a monster player like Dylan Cousins, who's slowly climbing up the list of all-time Canadian World Junior point scorers. And there's a decent chance if he continues lighting it up in these last two games uh, that he ends up in like third or maybe even second place on this list. So, you know, when, when grit is like your main quality as a player, it tends to not work out. But when it's an accessory, like uh, what stands out for a lot of people is that empty net goal against Finland. 
Uh, the Finnish player, I don't remember who, had the puck and it was totally under control. And Dylan Cousins appeared to just decide, I'm going to steal the puck now and, and stole it. And I had to work for it because, you know, it's a good player on the other side. It wasn't like an easy stick lift or anything. He was like, no, no, I don't care how much you want it. I'll take it and I'll put it into the empty net. So I don't know if one player can change the culture of the Buffalo Sabres. If Jack Eichel couldn't, I'm not sure if Dylan Cousins can, but it would definitely be a step in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, first of all, uh, give it a couple of years, but uh, if Eichel manages to stick it out there in Buffalo, uh, I mean, the combo of Cousins and Eichel, if Cousins really manages to develop, would be uh, pretty fantastic. And uh, when it comes to, yeah, the grit, the uh, tenacity and all that, all those hockey words that they like to throw around and it's it's an asset absolutely when you're evaluating a player but yeah the problem with the nhl is that sometimes it's like like one of the biggest assets they'll look at and obviously we uh we both disagree on that front you should look at like the skill and all that the upside uh but you know definitely an asset you know it doesn't mean nothing uh and he brings it he brings it and he's been uh i would say their best player uh just not just scoring wise but just in general uh, he brings it. He brings it. Uh, otherwise, uh, hmm, where else can we go? Uh, Bowen Byram has been pretty sure. spectacular this tournament on the defense. Uh, you know, just been uh, all around great, and he scored a goal. Yeah, last night, and uh, yeah, he's uh just really anchoring that defense. And we talked about it last week. I think we shouted him out. It's just uh totally unfair that Colorado gets his rights. Yeah, I think Cousins and Byram were the two players that we shouted out last week or the two main ones we focused on. And uh, it stays the same once again this week. The two now uh, uh, co-captains, now that Kirby Doc is, well, he's technically still the captain, but he's not at the tournament, of course. And uh, they have been the best two and the most important two players for Canada, with everyone else you know, chipping in where uh, where needed. And one, one more, uh, I guess, lesser player, I suppose, that I want to mention is Jacob Peltier. Because he's been extremely impressive. Um, he kind of... Okay, when he was drafted, I remember uh, the Flames... Because I was thinking at that point of the draft, uh, Kaliev is still here. No one's taking Kaliev. And the Flames took Peltier. And it was either Treliving or someone else was saying, like, oh, they were super impressed by his interview. I was like, really? Is the interview really... Is that <laughs> the main thing you're looking for in a first-round pick? Is a good interview? Because apparently he said when they asked him, like, why should we draft you? And he said, because I'm going to win the Stanley Cup. They're like, wow, what a great answer. We're going to draft you in the first round. But, I mean, he looks great, Incredible. and he kind of looks like it, too. So I think, you know, I'm, uh, this episode is just me eating my words. Jacob Pelletier was a good first-rounder. Maybe I'd still go with Kaliev, but uh, Pelletier has been all over the place in the offensive in the offensive zone. Uh, he's like, I think maybe a poor man's Dylan Cousins. You know, a lot of the things I have said to Dylan, about Dylan Cousins apply to Peltier too, I think. And he scored a bunch of goals. He's got a great nose for the net. So I think he's going to make the NHL too. That 2019 draft uh, was kind of viewed as maybe like a, a an average one. I don't think it was that top heavy, but you look like late in the first round, like Tomasino, McMichael, Peltier, Ryan Suzuki all went like in the 20s. And you even had like you know Caulfield, Newhook, Crabs at 15, 16, 17. I think that could end up being a like that first round was pretty deep, even if they're maybe like Hughes and Kako doesn't compare extremely favorably to whatever Lafreniere or something at the top of the draft. Yeah, absolutely, and it just goes to show, right? Like drafting, prospect analysis, especially if you're 
if you're like us, we're not pros or anything. Uh, even for the pros, uh, it's tough. And it's, and it's really, a lot of it is uh, is a crapshoot, right? You'll have uh, you'll have dudes who are the sure thing. Uh, you'll have your nail Yakupovs who completely bust. So, uh, and, and then you'll have your Jacob Peltiers who, you know, exceed your expectations. And so, uh, yeah, eat crow sometimes, uh, but uh, who doesn't is a question. Uh, and so, yeah, looking forward. This Canada team, it looks like it's rolling. I want to shout out Devin Levi again because, uh, you know, because that was Yay. the big thing, right? Going into the tournament, what's the deal at goalie? There was no clear-cut starter. Uh, we didn't even know. I, you know, I didn't. I had no idea Devin Levi was going to be the starter. And, yeah, he's come up, showed out, and good for him. And yeah, the fact that, right, the, it's all, it always seems to be Canada's weakness, the goaltending. Uh, you know, with your you get your blips every so often with your carry prices and your Carter Hearts. But, uh, you know, when Canada gets, like, even just, like, above average goaltending, which they have with Levi, uh, that really lets their forwards kind of play, and they don't have to play scared. And that's what it, uh, that's how they seem to be playing right now. They don't seem to be playing scared, and that's a uh, they don't seem to be playing nervous, which some Canadian teams do. And that's a good thing. It's a very good thing, uh, and it's a bright outlook. I take them against Russia any day. Yeah, um, this is now two years in a row at, that heading into the tournament, goaltending was the big question mark for Canada. Last year, Joel Hofer really stepped up, won goalie of the tournament. This year, Devin Levi so far he's stepped up. Um, I think it's been, what, like uh, four goals? Well, gave, oh, shutout yesterday. He gave up one goal against Finland, one against Slovakia, and one against Germany. The other was Dylan Guerin. So it's three goals in a little under five games, three goals against for Devin Levi, which is remarkable. Of course, playing in front of a, t- a stacked team Canada doesn't hurt, but he's definitely done his part. Like they, they showed also like the goals against, I think two of them, were like deflected in off of defenseman stick. Uh, Brad Lamberts from Team Finland and Paterka in that first game against Germany. I think the only one that beat him clean was uh, the Chromiak goal against Slovakia. So it's been quite a showing for Devin Levi, the best goalie prospect in the Florida Panthers system. Uh, second place would be Spencer Knight, I think. Uh, Devin Levi has definitely surpassed him, of course, uh, seventh rounder. Uh-huh. Uh, so nice. yeah, I think he can keep it up. Uh, next year, and goal, I don't know why I keep talking about next year, but Levi missed the cutoff by like five days, I think, because he turned 19 December 27th. So he won't be available next year, but I think Dylan Garand is. So he'll probably, the crease will probably be his to lose, which I thought was going to be the case this year. All right. So uh, something to look forward to next year. Uh, it's a shame that Levi is not eligible because, uh, man, to head into a Canadian camp with a pretty good idea of who the goal is going to be, uh, I wouldn't know what that's like. Anyways. Um, Since Carter Hart, else you so all those years ago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A million years ago, Carter Hart, I mean, a noted old man. Anyways, uh, anything you want to add before uh, we leave the World Juniors and onto the pros? Uh, anything else I want to add? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm super excited for tomorrow's games and the next day's games because I love this tournament very much. And I think maybe now we can move on to the NHL because most of the training camps. 24 out of the 31 teams are opening today. I don't think that affects us much because I don't think we actually see much information about that. Maybe we'll see like some lines leak. I don't even know if the media is going uh, invited in. I assume they're not. So I don't know if like the team's going to be tweeting out practice lines or something like that. I have no idea what's going to happen. We'll see. Uh, so I don't think there's much to discuss on that front. 
But the Habs did make a very interesting signing over the past week or so. Corey Perry is now coming to Montreal. We were talking last week about how maybe they could target guys like Trevor Lewis or Justin Ablicator for taxi squad depth. Corey Perry is several degrees above those players in terms of quality. Uh, looking at the lineup, though. All right, here are the, the Habs wingers now. We got Gallagher. We got Tatar. I'm actually not looking at the lineup. I'm just kind of thinking about it. But Druan, Toffoli, Josh Anderson, Arturi Lekkonen, Yoel Armia, and Paul Byron. None of those wingers can really move to center. And even if they could, we've got, you know, Dano, Suzuki, Kock, and Yemi at center. Who's going to move to fourth line center? Druan? I don't think so. I hope not. Paul Byron? Maybe. Probably not. So where does Corey Perry draw in? Uh, I'm, I'm confused. Obviously, it's very nice to have the depth. I think it maybe would have been more, more appropriate to get someone who can play center. I'm actually, I don't have a list of UFAs up. I don't know if maybe someone like Mark Latestu, is he still available? Is he still on the market? That maybe would have been a better fit because when you, you know, you bring in guys like Toffoli, that's a great signing. You bring in someone like Corey Perry, who's still an NHL player, probably best suited on like the fourth line, but he's not someone who should be in the press box every night or anything like that. Uh, and, you know, it makes the Domi for Anderson trade seem even worse That because now there's kind of an opening at fourth line center. Jake Evans is probably ready to fill it. But that is that does look like the roster spot. That's the most kind of up for grabs. And now all of a sudden with Josh Anderson, you're shoving someone like Corey Perry or Byron or Armia out of the lineup when everyone's healthy. So, so I mean, yeah, obviously, you know, it's nice to have depth. I assume Perry is the odd one out if everyone's healthy. Uh, and so I, I would guess, you know, if everyone's healthy, he probably gets into like a little under half the games this season. Obviously, that won't happen. Someone will probably get injured whether it's him or someone else, and maybe he'll get into the lineup for like 50 games or something like that. But uh, yeah, my initial reaction was, that's weird, with a caveat, of course, that depth is never really that bad. Yeah, I think it's I think it for, I think think it's weirder on the Corey Perry side of things. Like, didn't he see this roster and see that really there are no openings on the wings for him? Uh, and maybe it's just his market dried up and the Habs were really offer- the only one offering anything because really it's they're offering him the he's being paid the league minimum right now right so you know for the Habs that's a great thing uh, as you said depth and if you don't play him right you can just his contract's nothing you can bury it in the taxi squad or you can just have him in the press box and uh, as a healthy scratch no big deal uh, so you know I I think yeah I think more it's on on the Corey Perry side of things you couldn't find a a team that would give you the league minimum that would give you more of an opportunity but hey some some guys just want to come to Montreal uh, apparently not the high profile guys but uh Corey Perry does and that's cool so uh you know I'm not one to complain about depth I'll tell you that you know Michael Frolik Corey Perry we might have the best taxi squad in the league uh you know so uh, and in a year with you know the covid thing you know I keep bringing it up covid who knows what's going to happen right uh you might have players dropping like flies you might have an outbreak and you see multiple players that are down. And then that's when you got guys like Perry, guys like Frolik, who have, you know, lots of NHL experience. Obviously, they're not the same as they were in their prime. But, uh, you know, it sure doesn't hurt to have those guys. And if they choose to sign here, good for them. They also accept the fact that they're probably not going to make the roster. They're probably not going to be playing in most of these games. But that's their choice. And if you're the organization, you certainly have no complaints about it. You have no complaints about the depth. And, yeah, who knows about COVID? That's the thing. And if there is an outbreak, 
uh, these are, these guys will be the first ones up, and you know the Habs will probably want to be the probably the Habs are probably one of the more prepared teams in terms of forward depth. Uh, should an outbreak occur? Yeah, uh, apparently Corey Perry was a Habs fan growing up, so you know this is kind of childhood dream. It would have been nice if he wanted to fulfill this childhood dream back in 2011 when he scored 50 goals and won the Hart Trophy. But I guess better late than never, maybe. Um, uh, so I guess Corey Perry's kind of filling in Ilya Kovalchuk's spot of former 50 goal scorer coming to join the Canadians. Uh, perhaps, maybe I don't know if Corey Perry, if I'm sorry, if Cole Caulfield finishes his season with Wisconsin, signs on with Montreal for the end of the year, as we talked about. I don't know if they're going to find any room for him on the wings. Uh, I hope there aren't enough injuries that they do. Uh, but maybe you know if he's maybe just around practicing with the team, then. Then uh, former 50 goal scorer Corey Perry can help to guide future 50 goal scorer Cole Caulfield to uh, to the promised land. There we go. Exactly. And uh, you know, I'm just I'm waiting for that Twitter picture. Corey Perry in Habs pajamas. That's uh, that's a thing yeah, I'm waiting yeah. for right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. And all the Ducks fans right. and Stars fans are gonna go all crazy about. Oh no, wait, no, that's just the Islanders for some reason, huh? Anyway, um, who else? What else happened this week? There was some stuff. There was some stuff, and one of them Tara. was. Uh, yeah, let's go. Let's go to Chara. Let's move on to Chara, uh, because that's going to be super weird. Uh, I I think okay, I, I think about like times where players switch teams and it was weird getting used to them in another uniform. I mostly think of Habs players or former Habs players. I think of PK Subban, which is still kind of weird to see him the picture of him in Nashville. Now he's not even on Nashville anymore. Uh, I think of when David Darren went to the Oilers. I'm like that 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 looks incorrect. Uh, but Chara's the first one that I think is really going to throw me off. That's not a Habs or a former Habs player uh, because now he's on Washington. After I've only known him as the Bruins, and I've known him as the face of the Bruins for a long time. Like when I first was getting into hockey at the age of nine, like Chara was the first like big bad meanie, right? You know, oh, he's so tall and he's the captain of the arch nemesis and they just won the Stanley Cup. And now he's gone. Now he's I, – I know this has kind of been coming for – a while, I guess, but I assumed it would have come with a retirement and not in him leaving to go to another team. This was like the least likely option, I thought. And it was really out of nowhere. And it was broken by Ken Campbell. I think it was Ken Campbell, right? Of all people. Like, he doesn't even have a blue check mark. So everyone's like, is this real? And it turned out it was. Uh, Chara, it's not quite league men, but it's pretty close um, to Washington. Uh, and one fun aspect of this story is he'll be playing Boston nine times a year. So his former teammates will finally, you know, get to see all the dirty stuff he's been getting away with for the past five years or so. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, uh, I, I think kind of similar to Perry in that he probably won't play every night. He shouldn't play every night. Uh, but Michael Kempney is injured out for a while, I'm pretty sure. So Chara is some nice uh, depth for them on defense. And they find a lot of depth on defense this year. Uh, a lot of uh, insulation. Trevor Van Riemsdyk they signed. Uh, Justin Schultz isn't really uh, depth. He'll probably play pretty much every night. And, of course, they still got, you know, Siegenthaler, Fairvary. So they're they're set on defense if they get, you know, positive tests or injuries or anything like that. And Chara adds to that. And, of course, you know, all the things we talk about, even if he is a shell of his former self on the ice, all you know, like captain and leader and tough and grit and heart. And, you know, if you put him out on the penalty kill, he can cross-check pretty much anyone and get away with it, which is a nice asset to have. Yeah, absolutely. It makes for a nice depth. That's what he is. Uh, you know, you just and he's so big. Yeah, it's gonna be that's gonna be the weirdest part, I think. And that's why I think it's a part of why it's gonna be so weird to see him on another team. It's just because so big. He's so big, right? 
uh, and he just pops off the screen if you're watching the Bruins. And so he'll pop off the screen when he's with the Capitals, and you'll be like, what the heck? What is this big tall guy doing on the Caps? And, you know, I think the running joke on Twitter was that the Caps are getting even older uh, with this edition. And, I mean, that's not a lie. But, uh, yeah, it's a, you know, it's just it's defensive depth. He'll probably be on the third pairing when he does play. And he's capable. And I think I think that's what Washington... I, I think Washington could absolutely use that, right? Uh, they're still trying to make their, uh, you know, their windows closing ever so uh, ever so slowly, ever, you know, ever, consistently. And, you know, if Zdeno Chara puts you over the edge, well, he won't. But, I, I mean, it's a nice idea is what it is. Shocking to me is that Boston... Because they negotiated, apparently... And Chara was like, yeah, I'll stick around if we can come to an agreement. And they didn't. And I'm so surprised that Boston wasn't a little more desperate to bring back Chara. Because, honestly, he's an upgrade over what they currently have on defense now. Especially after losing Tory Krug with Matt Grizzlick and John Moore and Jeremy Lozon as your three left defensemen on your roster now. Losing Krug and Chara in one offseason. Both of your defensemen from your top four on your left side for the past couple years. Uh, that that's it's strange that they didn't seem worried that that would happen, and that they don't seem to care that it's happened, considering that the replacements are are quite underwhelming. Yeah, I think he said in his statement that like the Bruins were looking to go younger, give those younger guys some minutes. But I mean, look, uh, if those guys don't work out, then you're screwed, and you're supposed to be contending. Uh, I mean, who do they even have on defense beside that? Uh, like, they have Kevin Miller, but he plays the right side. Like On the right side, they've got McAvoy, Brandon Carlo, and Connor Clifton. Oh. And, like, Kevin Miller is still in the system, I think. Uh, yeah, he is. Uh, Jakob Zaborl has been kind of knocking on the door for a while. Maybe they hope he can make the jump. But, yeah, no sure things in the system or anything. No, like, I'm looking through their cap friendly right now. And, like, the next left D that's on the taxi squad... Is uh, Erho Vakanainen, uh, twenty-two-year-old. Ah, yes. So uh, you know maybe First he's the solution. Pick. Yeah, from a few years ago, and uh, you know I guess I, I'm guessing that he's one of those guys that, in terms of like younger dudes, they want to give more playing time. Maybe they want to give him a shot, right? He's twenty-two. Uh, now's the time. But uh, yeah, like Ch- like Chara, like he's been playing slow for a while now, right? Like he's been slowing down uh, for some years. And so, you know, a veteran like that, who you know where you're getting, absolutely useful for a team like Boston. You know, you're trying to contend. You're not just trying to experiment uh, with some young dudes. You're trying to, like, fucking go for a cup. So, yeah, it is it is it is a bit of a head-scratcher, and you also lose your captain. Uh, though, you know, that's not such a big deal. You can just give the seat to Bergeron. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a weird one for sure. Yeah, Patrice Bergeron's probably going to be named captain, I guess, within the next few days. I think even Chara said in an interview, like, yeah, Bergeron will be the next captain. He seems quite sure of it. And that was kind of, that's writing has kind of been on the wall for the last few years because, like, almost any other team, Patrice Bergeron would be the captain of. It's just, they happen to, you know, have Chara there instead. Uh, other news Jonathan Taves is out indefinitely. Uh, and we, he doesn't even know exactly what, what the condition is. I have a statement up, I'll read it. This is from Taves. Uh, it's kind of longish. He says, This offseason, I've been experiencing symptom- symptoms that have left me feeling drained and lethargic. 
I'm working with doctors so I can better understand my condition until I can get my health back to a place where I feel I can perform at an elite level and help my team. I will not be joining the Blackhawks for training camp. I do not have a timetable for when I will rejoin the team. I'm extremely disappointed, but it wouldn't be fair to myself or my teammates to attempt to play in my current condition. Uh, and then he goes on a bit to to name people and thank them and stuff. But that's that's the main idea. So I think, well, first of all, someone pointed this out. I don't remember who. Uh, this is setting a very good example for younger hockey players uh, because it goes against this kind of, you know, oh, tough it out. Uh, toxic culture that's been so pervasive in hockey forever that you got to fight through to be a good teammate and you got to play through the pain. Uh, playing through the pain is almost always a bad idea, especially as Taves points out. Like if you're not at your, if you're not or uh, close to your best self and performing at your best, then you might actually be hurting your team. So this is uh, obviously it's terrible that Taves is going through this, whatever he is going through, but he's definitely made the right choice in stepping out and getting his health together before he starts playing hockey again. Uh, Kirby Doc as well, uh, another Blackhawk center. He's out for, I think, four to five months was the timetable, which is more or less the entire regular regular season. So the Blackhawks are shaping up to be, you know, uh, even worse than they were last year with not even just the loss of the goalies, but the loss of possibly your top two centers. And now you got, like, Dylan Strom, Carl Soderberg, Lucas Walmark, and David Camp as your one through four. Yeah, man, they're gonna be dog shit. Holy crap! Uh, and this, this is for a team that made the playoffs, technically, right? Uh, yeah, that's not happening again this year. I'll tell you that. Uh, unless we got, unless uh, who's our coach again? Jeremy Calton pulls something out of his ass this year. But uh, yeah, no goalies, as you said. Uh, Malcolm Subban, Colin Delia, where are you at? And yeah, I mean, Taves and Duck. That's oh yeah, Kevin Lankinen. And so yeah, the you know Taves and Duck, those are two big losses. And for Taves, yeah, you wish, you know, it's, it's, I think, I mean, like, look, he doesn't even know what the medical condition is yet, right? And there's no diagnosis. Uh, I think, you know, maybe not for a hockey player, but I think this is a no-brainer. You sit out, you try, you have to take care of yourself first, right? He's getting up there in age. You don't want to, you know, don't want to screw yourself in your, in uh, post-retirement times. So, yeah, you wish him the best. And, uh, you know, it's very, it's always, yeah, it's weird. It's weird to, the the what he what he describes, you know, feeling lethargic and all that. Uh, you hope it's nothing too too serious, and that he can get back uh, sooner than later. But yeah, Chicago's gonna be dog shit next year, and uh, yeah, you might you we before we went on the air, you mentioned how uh, it'll be a dog fight for last place in that division, Chicago Detroit. All right, that's gonna it's gonna be a layup for the those teams. I think it's a pretty tough division there. Anyways, uh, next up. We got a couple contracts that were signed, a couple more contracts that were signed that we can mention. Uh, one that was signed just this morning, uh, John Marino with the Penguins, a noted rookie uh, who had a very good season on defense. He got a nice fat extension, which you don't really see for like defensemen this young who have only played one season. Six years, $4.4 million. Uh, that's a, uh, I mean, he was really good this year, but you know, A, it's just one year. Uh, and it's it's a boomer bust signing. It could work out super well for the Penguins, but also you know if he regresses, it could be a really bad thing for them as well. But I'm leaning towards it's gonna work out. Yeah. Um. Honestly, I saw this also like as we started recording six years for John Marino. I was expecting the AAV to be at least five, at least five, because he was really remarkable last season. 
Uh, they were expecting him to like maybe get into half the games, maybe establish as a bottom pair role. He passed Justin Schultz on the def- depth chart very quickly and became the number two defenseman behind Chris Letangelot. Remember how much he played against Montreal in that series, how much they depended on him? And he, I think he was their best defenseman in that series. Uh, I think I saw Dom LeCision, you know, he tweets his models that show like the odds of surpassing the contract. Usually, you know, they hover around 50% would be the average. John Marino's at like 95%. So 4.4 million uh, is probably going to end up being a steal for John Marino. Uh, so nice piece of work from Jim Rutherford, who hasn't had many of those in recent memory. Uh, you know, of course, with Jack Johnson, to name one, the Casperi Kalpinen trade, the Nick Bugstad trade. We've ratted on him quite a bit throughout the uh, offseason, extending back to like September, I guess. Uh, but John Marino, that that's a stud player, and that's a great contract. Yeah, did you see that? Did you see that Rutherford press conference uh, where he kind of whined about the media coverage that he was getting? <laughs> when was that? Uh, I think it was might have been a few days ago, sometime this week. Uh, but he was like, you know, they're just, you know, all these commentators, they're just jealous. They want to see us fail, uh, and you know, we're still pretty good or something, shit like that, uh, and. Uh, you know, you look at his track record uh, the last little while, and, you know, I think it's deserved. He's been pretty bad. Uh, you look at the trades he's made, you know, CC Johnson, uh, the like, Kapanen. It's just, uh, but nice piece of business with the Marino. Can't, can't take that away from him. But, man, I mean, I don't, if there's one guy who can go whining to the media about his negative coverage, and we'll talk about another one of those guys. In yeah, a I was bit. just going to say. And, uh, yeah, but uh, Rutherford had a I, I had a good chuckle when I saw that in the news. Yeah, speaking of whining, uh, Drew Doughty thinks that if not every single TSN employee predicts he will be on the Olympic team, it is an outrage. Uh, that is what he thinks. He's been whining about people saying he isn't that good for like three years now. And, you know, maybe maybe everyone's correct, Drew. Maybe you've gotten significantly worse since you, you whined your way to a Norris Trophy uh, and now you're whining, you're trying to wind your way onto the Olympic team, and it's probably gonna work. It's probably gonna work. Uh, you remember last year, Drew Doughty? Oh man, it's so funny because obviously there was that whole Matthew Kachuk, Drew Doughty back and forth action last season, which was like over a year ago at this point. And Drew was like, I think we all know who the better player is, and like he, he's really that deluded to think that it's not even a competition between him and Matthew Kachuk in terms of who's better, because Matthew Kachuk is probably better. Even if you ignore the fact that Matthew Kachuk is way young, younger and on an upward trajectory, uh, I would almost definitely still take Matthew Kachuk on my team today over Drew Doughty, uh, and I think most people would. And TSN, like I don't, I didn't look at them, but I think like almost everyone had predicted Drew Doughty or like put them on their mock Olympic team, including like their consensus. So it was just probably just like one or two people who were like, you know, I'm not having Drew Doughty on my team. And he was like, rrr, rrr, rrr. I respect. He's terrible. He's not good anymore. Whatever. Yeah. He's not. Oh, man. I would be, I would be upset if Drew Doughty made the Olympic team next year. Oh, for but, sure. He's not one of the not, not one of the top six defensemen. Not a top six Canadian defenseman out there in the NHL. That's completely uh, delusional. Uh, he probably will make it because, uh, you know, his whining abilities and his, his reputation, you know, uh, and his contract. God save us from that contract. Uh, but, uh, yeah, man, <laughs> Jesus, of all guys to be whining about how people perceive him, 
is the guy who's getting overpaid for the next seven years at $11 million uh, <laughs> as a 31-year-old currently. I, it's just, it, it's kind of hilarious. And, you know, if he does, I hope he doesn't make the, the Olympic team. And when he doesn't, if he doesn't, I can't wait for his reaction. I want to see the quotes. Uh, I'm just waiting on that. That's what I'm looking for right now because that Drew Daddy, oh boy. Uh, not better than Matthew Kachuk. I wouldn't take him right now. If I had a draft pick, uh, if I had to draft between one of those two, take Kachuk in a heartbeat, not even close. And Dowdy's not very good anymore. Yeah, that's what it is, man. He's old. Uh, and he's mm-hmm. overpaid. And yep. it really, I mean, I get it. Whatever. Sports people are, these athletes are competitive. But he looks kind of silly is what I'm saying. He looks very silly. What do you think are the odds we see Drew Doughty walking around soon with a shirt that says, like, what's that, what's that slogan? Like, haters are my motivators or something dumb like that? Oh, what, you know, something in that vein? You know, I put it at 20% because, you know, hockey players, they don't want to rock the boat too much. You know, if this was, you know, uh, like, when was the last time we saw any crazy shirts? Uh, you know, that with a real statement. I mean, I think, I I think no the, the, the NBA, the NBA and the NFL – uh, have more of that, but you know what? I'm putting the odds at 15. percent You know, you know what? 11. Okay. percent One for every million wow. that he's paid. What's your uh, analytical model on that one? Um, you know, I take 11 million and I divide it by a million, and I wow. got 11. All right, and that's your percentage. All right, great, good to know. Uh, hmm, one more thing, or one more NHL story. Uh, everyone was trading Pierre-Luc Dubois for Jesperi Kotkaniemi for a couple hours the other day until Pierre-Luc Dubois signed a two-year extension with Columbus, $5 million a year, a little bridge deal for him. Uh, that was an exciting couple hours when we thought Columbus was going to maybe look into trading Pierre-Luc Dubois, which would have been incredibly stupid, uh, but they didn't. They didn't. Um, and I guess that's not a big surprise. Uh, only kind of, we only kind of bring that out because it was fun trade talk for a little while. Yeah. You know, Habs in the mix, apparently, but it's clear that they were just using it as leverage, right? It was like two hours, and then the contract got announced. Everybody, it just kind of deflated everybody. Uh, and yeah, two by five, pretty standard. You know, like what? What is he? The best forward on the Blue Jackets at this point? Uh, yeah, he's at least in the conversation. So uh, yeah, nice little bridge deal, and there'll still be a, an RFA at the end of it. Maybe we'll see some more trade rumors in 2022 uh and uh we'll get our hopes up for a couple hours then too all right uh Stu cohen tweeted the uh habs training camp schedule and today january 3rd it says physicals and medical exams followed by no on ice training sessions so they're not even hitting the ice today that starts tomorrow we have group a practicing at 11 a.m and group b at 12 30 uh so and there's a scrimmage on january 7th uh, and the 10th, yay. And then they depart for Toronto on January 12th, the day before their game. Uh, so fun stuff. They're not hitting the ice yet. Today's just like a, a fake day. Um, and I assume maybe that's the same for other teams. I have no idea. I'm not, I don't know much about training camp in general. I usually don't pay s- extremely close attention to it until the end when they're, you know, having their final lines and stuff heading into the season. No preseason games this year, though. So we won't get to see them in any exhibition action before 10 days from now is when the NHL regular season starts. It's sneaking up fast. It's sneaking up fast. We've been talking this whole time, these long breaks from the NHL, and then it feels like they sneak up fast even though they've been gone for so long. It's going to happen again. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, think about it. We only have one more episode 
before we have a Habs game to talk about. A Habs regular season game to talk about, right? Yeah, next uh, next and... episode is going to be our season preview. That's right. Okay. That's going to be sick. I'm excited for it. And yep. yeah, training camp, it's like, you know, most most of the roster spots are already claimed. Uh, we know most of the starters already. So, uh, you know, we'll just see who, who shows up in practice. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, any uh, anyone anything else uh, you want to cover? Well, because I think we we did it about it all. Yeah, actually, I don't have a quiz this week. Sorry, everyone. Uh, I've been working a lot on college apps and such over the past week or so. So uh, I didn't have time to put together a quiz, but maybe I'll come up with one on the spot right now. All right, it's one question long. Um, and okay, here we go. Uh, which team signed Derek Broussard this week? Oh, I was just looking at it. It was uh, the Arizona Coyotes. Yay, congratulations, you passed the quiz. All right. So, yeah, I guess this normally is around the time of the episode where we start the quiz. So I guess we it's not like we went on for that long, but it's all right. A little bit of a shorter episode. Uh, Happy New Year, everyone. And, you know, thank you for listening to Fusion and Hockey Podcast. Uh, thanks for sticking with us all throughout 2020, or if you joined in the in the middle or near the end of 2020, thanks for doing that. And hopefully, when we look back at the end of 2021, there will have been good stuff instead of bad stuff. That's my my poetry. Would you like to close us out, Taisei? Sure. Uh, one last thing I want to mention. Uh, we're starting a fantasy hockey league. Oh yes, the season that's upcoming. Yeah. So we got a bunch of spots open right now. It's gonna be a twelve team league. And if you're interested, yeah, as I said, we got a bunch of empty spots. So uh, hit us up uh, in the methods that I will describe shortly as I sign off. Uh, and uh, yeah, we're excited to have you. Okay, so that is all. Uh, you can reach us via Instagram, via our, our uh, podcast account. You can hit us up on Twitter. Our handles are uh, in the description. And yeah, as always, thank you very much for listening in 2021 uh, and beyond and we'll see you next week when we will know who won the world juniors